Well, with uh, NFL free agency kicking off this week, uh, I got to listen to uh, a number of interviews with guys who had just signed these big contracts. And it was kind of fun. It's kind of interesting uh, because the interview kept asking the same question. He kept asking, so what was the first splurge? What was the first thing that you purchased that you bought after you signed this big contract? And uh, it was, it was, it kind of caught me off guard because most of the, most of the guys said the same thing as they gave the answer, the answer. And they said, uh, they either said, I bought a house or I bought a car for my mom. <laughs> and it threw me back. It threw me off because, you know, the last time that you got a raise, huh? <laughs> what did you get your mom? Can I get an amen from the moms in the house today? All right. I was that man, I got like a Costco membership for my mom at Christmas. And I thought that was pretty good, but I don't know, you know. Now, I haven't declared myself eligible for the NBA draft yet. So who knows? Your payoff could be still coming, mom. But uh, otherwise, I got a 94 Honda that's waiting with your name on it. <laughs> but you know, like, you didn't expect to hear that. It, it kind of took me off guard. For this reason, because you would think when that money's coming in, you're ready to spend it on self. Or the next level was this, that, that they didn't take care of, of the person who helped them develop that gift. They didn't think about uh, the AAU coach who helped get them that opportunity to use that gift. No, they thought of the constant in their life. The person who was there the whole time, who cared about them, who was around when it wasn't going so well. When everything was bad. Now, when you think about the two or three most cherished, most important people in your life, I would guess, I would guess that they're probably not the most talented friends you have. They're probably not the most accomplished friends that you have, but they're probably the people who are just around. They were just there when stuff was going on. I'm not going to get into stuff today. They were just there for you. When you needed them, the, the great people in my life that I loved, I didn't love because they were great. I loved because they were faithful, because they were there. Pastor Heather talked about this last week. She said, she said uh, when we read the scriptures, it doesn't say, God doesn't say to us, well done, thou successful servant. He says, well done, thou good and faithful Servant. Success is not ours, right? Outcome is not ours. The glory is not ours. The battle is not ours. The battle is the, is the Lord's. Success is the Lord's. The outcome is the Lord's. What are we called to do? We are called to be what? Faithful. That's our calling right there. God brings it to a simplicity, to the, to the point of just calling us to faithful. Uh, Galatians 5, 22 and 23, we see it every single week. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, faithfulness, faithfulness resounds in our life, it resounds through friendship. It resounds through divinity. It resounds. Faithfulness comes from this Greek word, pistis. And it means this. It means trustworthiness, reliable, faithfulness. We see uh, the Hebrew word is emunah. It literally means firmness. 
It figuratively means security. It morally means fidelity. So there's dimension to this word. One of my favorite definitions that I heard of faithfulness was an old pastor who came to our, our Bible college. And uh, he talked about faithfulness. He, says, he said this. He said, faithfulness is love that hangs on. It's love that doesn't quit. Love that keeps on going. It's that mama who just sticks around. It's the friend who keeps on believing in you. It's that grandmother. She just keeps praying. She just keeps uh, interceding for you. She just keeps going after the Spirit of God for you on your behalf. Faithfulness is not doing something good. It's doing something good. It's doing something good. It's doing something good. It's doing something good. Faithfulness is divine repetition. It's love on loop. It's joy continuous. It's peace that keeps on coming. It's kindness that is relentless. It's goodness that is on the same track over and in a circular nature. It just keeps, faithfulness is the tortoise. At the beginning of the race, it seems inconsequential, but at the end of the race, it's the only thing that is around. Faithfulness is one of the greatest attributes that we take for granted in the spirit of God. Now, how can we force ourselves to be faithful? How can we develop, how can we manufacture faithfulness in our lives? Here's the tricky part. We can't. We don't. We can't do this. It only comes. Now, an apple grows from a tree, right? From a healthy tree. You can't manufacture an apple. You can't produce an apple. No, an apple only comes from a healthy tree. And when a tree is being a tree and it is healthy, what happens? The proper, uh, the proper occurrence is that it will produce an apple coming from. The same is true. When we get into the Spirit and the presence of God, when we get into the Spirit, we are living in the Spirit and He does what He does. He is a life-giving being into us. When you are in the Spirit, the only produce that happens is for the fruit of the Spirit to come out of your life. That's where faithfulness is born. We read a book that is, that is testimony after testimony of God's faithfulness. When you read anywhere in this book, good book, you will see the faithfulness of God over and over and over again in your life. When you live in the Spirit, you are acutely aware of His working in this moment, but far beyond this moment. Let's take a drive for just a moment through the forest of faithfulness in the Scriptures and just soak these in while I recite them, while I read them, Leviticus chapter 3, verses 22 and 23. The steadfast love of the Lord, it never ceases. His mercy never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Joshua 23, verse 14. You know with all your heart and soul that not one of all the good promises the Lord your God gave you has failed. Every promise has been fulfilled. Not one has failed. Hebrews 10, 23, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess for he who promised is faithful. Psalm 36, 5, God's love is meteoric. His loyalty, astronomic. His purpose, titanic. His verdicts, oceanic. Yet in his largeness, nothing gets lost. Not a man, not a mouse slips through the cracks. 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful. He is just to forgive. To talk about faithfulness in us 
is to talk, is to understand faithfulness to us. To live faithfully. You've got to know his faithfulness in your heart. John Stott said it this way. He said, before we see the cross as something done for us, we have to see it as something done by us. It's proper recognition of ourselves and it's proper recognition of he who has made us, who has created us. Know this today, that you can't produce faithfulness from your life. You can know his faithfulness and in him. And when you step into him, he will bring faithfulness through you. So we have to today, we have to talk about this, this interwoven relationship between God and man. And I just want to take a few moments to talk about a guy named Jesus and a guy named Peter. And look at their relationship for a couple of minutes today. If you got your Bible, uh, Matthew chapter 16 is where we're going. Verse 21. And uh, if you don't, that's okay. You can look on the screen and uh, we're going to read it together. Matthew 16, verse 21. From that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law. And that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. Peter took him aside and he began to re rebuke him. Never, Lord, he said. This shall never happen to you. Jesus turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. Then Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life from me will find it. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world, yet forfeit their soul? Let me unpack just a couple observations out of this passage. Number one is this. If you're taking notes, you can jot these down. Number one is this. Faithfulness does not always feel good. Doesn't always feel good. We saw how many commercials were there at the Super Bowl of fathers and sons. Like, I don't know what, there was a ton of commercial, and they were all these kind of feel-good moments, right? Where, with the arm around the back or this great, witty, charming conversation and, and these beautiful moments. And, and you think about faithfulness and you often think about those moments, right? And there are those moments. But there's some other moments too, aren't there? There's some other faithful moments as well, and there are some hard decisions that need to be made. Sometimes faithfulness is choosing long-term good over short-term happiness. Faithfulness is hard work sometimes. Jesus knows that the only way for man to find peace and forgiveness is for him to give his life as a sacrifice, as a sin offering so that we might come in a right relationship with God. He knows this. He knows what's in front of him. He also knows this, that if he chooses that path, if he chooses love and faithfulness, he has a horrible, a brutal death and torture on the cross coming his way. He also knows this. He knows that many people that he will die for will choose to ignore him will choose to set him aside, will choose to not understand the depth of his sacrifice for us, will choose not to receive and accept forgiveness and redemption 
and salvation in, in their hearts. Yet he chooses love that hangs on. He chooses the hard path. He goes down the road. It's the ultimate act of faithfulness that fuels our faith. Every time we eat the bread and we drink the cup, we are reminded of one of the greatest faithful acts that we have ever seen in human history. God sending his son for us. And it fuels us. It pushes us out. It pushes us forward. It teaches us faithfulness. It teaches us proper understanding and thankfulness and gratitude for what God has done for each one of us. It's interesting because God doesn't say to be faithful to those who have been faithful to you, right? It's easy when we're coming in and getting some of that from God. Then when we go to dish it out, we quickly become the judge of who is worthy of our faithfulness, don't we? Well, no, I don't know. But no, Jesus, he gives, he steps out in faithfulness in spite of those who he is giving faithfulness to. That's how he leads us. That's how he models it for us. It doesn't depend upon the recipient. Adam Mayer is a longtime NCC or a longtime friend as well. And uh, he's, he works in a job where he helps those who don't have homes to find homes. And uh, it's an amazing job. He's an amazing guy. And, uh, but within this, he's working with people who are on the streets. And, and you have some who are ready and some who are not quite ready. So a very kind of unstable population in terms of receipt of his work. And so uh, he can step into some major setbacks during his week on a week-to-week basis. Now, uh, Adam, as he works, he can spend the majority of his week uh, working to set somebody up, working for their miracle, and get to the end of that week and they decide that they're not ready for that. Or that maybe, you know, maybe they get in an argument with another tenant. Or maybe they decide to, they, they fall off the wagon or they go back to an addiction. Or maybe the landlord is just sick of trying to work this thing out. And, and all of his work kind of gets pushed to the side. And in the midst of this, I, I remember uh, it, was, it was maybe a couple of years ago, I asked Adam, I said, man, how do you do this? How do you remain faithful when you have constant setbacks and constant discouragements. And I remember what he said to me. He said this. He said, your instinct is to go the other way, is to run away, is to let go, is to quit. But I choose hope. But I choose hope on a daily basis. I choose to hope because I was given hope. And he said this. He said, I, I can't control anybody else's actions. But I can set them up to find the Spirit of God. And the Spirit of God did something in me, and I think he might want to do something in them. That's faithfulness right there. It's stepping out regardless of. Author Paul Carvel said it this way. He said, faithfulness lives where love is stronger than instinct. Faithfulness lives where love is stronger than instinct. Our instinct is what? It's self-serving, isn't it? God's instinct is love. His instinct is self-sacrifice. And so when you step into the spirit, his love comes over the top and it teaches us a totally different dimension of instinct. That's called the spirit realm. That's called the spirit of God within us. Number two, faithfulness is to God's calling, not man's opinion. Faithfulness is to God's calling, not man's opinion. In verse 22, Peter rebukes Jesus. That's pretty bold. Peter rebukes Jesus, in verse 22, one of the very people Jesus is trying to act faithfully for, tells him off. 
and becomes the temptation for him not to live in the faithful calling that the Father had given him. Now, before we sell him out too, too far here, uh, it seems like he's, he's kind of acting out of loyalty, right? Like this is a, a friend trying to, trying to be a good friend right here. But, but that's what's interesting, I think, when we take this and we imprint it on our lives. Because when you think about faithfulness and the faithful actions on a daily basis, sometimes, oftentimes, it's the people that care about you that are your friends that shift you out of the lane of faithfulness, isn't it? Man, you're better than that marriage. You don't need that. You know, your, your boss doesn't treat you right. Yeah, I would cut corners too. Your boss is horrible to you. Yeah, I'll get some time off when, you know, when, when they're not looking. Like, get what you can out of that job. Sometimes it's those who care about us. Who, but it's not. God's, his ways, God's faithfulness is not affected by man's opinion. It does not change because of what your friend tells you. Do you know that? Like we're in a quandary and what do we do? Instead of going to God and going to his word, what do we do? We go to our friend. Oh man, well they said this, so maybe, well now maybe what I thought about God, maybe that's not true. No, he is not affected. His ways, his faithfulness is not changed by those around us, by the opinions around us. The very essence of faithfulness is constance. Repetition of his goodness over and over. Uh, a couple of years ago, we took a mission team uh, to St. Louis and we helped start and launch Middle Tree Church. And uh, it was a really cool opportunity that we had, and, and a number of NCCers went. And I remember um, it, it was so refreshing just to hear the story of how it started. And it was Brian. Uh, this church planner who moved into the city. And then it was his brother, Brad, uh, who really wasn't serving the Lord at the time. And then it was his neighbor, this guy, Ronnie. And the three of these guys started meeting, and that was the start to this church. And so then, uh, maybe a year later, when they went public with the church, we came alongside and helped them launch. And so after we launched that first week, we went back to Brian's house, and, and we were having pizza and just hanging out. And Ronnie stood up, and he started sharing his story. And he said this, he said, man, when I was younger, I lived with my girlfriend and I wasn't home and, and a guy broke into the house and he raped my girlfriend. And he said, I found out, he said, I went and found that guy and I killed him. And I served 18 years in prison for my actions. 18 years of people telling me what I'm not people telling me what I did, people telling me who I am, people draining the lifeblood out of me. And he said, I came out and I just had nothing and I felt worthless. And, I, and, then, and then I found you guys or you guys found me and we started meeting. And, and your love towards me, it opened up my mind and it opened up my heart and you helped me find God again. You helped me find God again. And you helped me come back to the church. And it's just this moment. He's tearfully kind of sharing these things. And, and, and Brad, he hears this. And he, so he's got to stand up and give some testimony. He's got to stand up and tell his. So Brad stands up. Man, I don't know how I'm here today. I don't know how I survived. But Brian, you just stayed in my life, man. And through all the thick and the thin and through the bad and the, and the good, you just stayed with me. And he said this. He said, he said I should be dead. He said, I should be in hell. And he started bawling when he said that. I should be in hell. 
And he just talked about the faithfulness, the actions of consistently being in his life, believing in him, calling out in prayer to God, even when he refused it and wouldn't receive it. This guy just kept being faithful to him. And as we sat back and heard these stories and heard these testimonies, you know what happens? You're so happy for these guys, but you're not settled with that, are you? No, you want to take that and you see this testimony of the faithfulness of God and it draws you in. It draws you into the presence of God. That's what the scriptures are. They're stories of people being drawn into the presence of God. And when you read it, when you take it in, when you soak it in, when you soak in God's presence and you understand his faithfulness does not end, it is constant source in your life. It should draw you out. His faithfulness never ends. Tertullian talked about the early believers. And he said this, he said, the primitive believers are attractive because of the way, the way they loved one another and the way that they loved people that nobody else loved. Francis Schaeffer calls this love the final apologetic. God's faithfulness, number three. God's faithfulness is an invitation to your faithfulness. God's faithfulness is an invitation to your faithfulness. Verse 24, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross, follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life from me will find it. It's not easy. It's going to be hard. It's going to be difficult. But love hangs on. Peter is an interesting character study because he's got, you know, what we call as foot and mouth disease, right? <laughs> Anytime his mouth open, that foot gets stuck in there. And Peter, at so many different instances, he makes you feel better about yourself, doesn't he? <laughs> all right, I got this guy's, he did it again. All right, you know, slowly you read more and more. You're like, all right, I'm not so bad. And he keeps doing it. He denies Christ. He rebukes Christ. He corrects Christ. He tells them the way it should be. He offers suggestions that Jesus doesn't even pay attention to. <laughs> he keeps doing it. And we can make fun of him. We can laugh at him. And we can put him in a bad light. But here's the flip side of that. And that's this. That to keep messing up, he's got to keep showing up. Like he's around. He's faithful to Christ. He's always with him. And here's what I realized about Peter and about Jesus, that Jesus, he chose Peter's faithfulness over the reputation of the Pharisees. Jesus, he chose to use Peter's faithfulness over the wisdom of the Sadducees. Faithfulness is showing up. Like, let's show up. Get in the presence of God. Walk with Je When you walk with Jesus, you will make mistakes. I can promise you that. You will make some mistakes, but it doesn't matter. If you keep showing up, if you keep walking with Jesus, Peter, Peter never got cast aside. He might have been told to go to the back of the line and called Satan, but, you know, that's not so good. But he never got cast aside, did he? <laughs> Jesus kept him in line, and he kept walking with him. When you walk with Jesus, you'll, do some, you'll make some mistakes. You'll blow it in certain instances, but he will keep, and he will use you. He desires to use us when we decide to walk with him.
Woody Allen said 80% of success is just showing up. One of my best friends that I met in high school, we met. And uh, when we first met, we didn't really jive. And uh, we didn't really hit it off. But, but we had the same group of friends. We kept showing up the same places. And, and after long enough, when somebody keeps showing up, you get to know them a little bit. And so we started to build a friendship. And then in college, uh, we started to meet regularly over cheap food, as you do in college. And uh, we would meet over some cheap food, and we would uh, talk about what God was doing in our life. We would talk about our struggles. We would talk about faith and all kinds of stuff. And we, after a number of years, God just really built this amazing, awesome friendship. And, and uh, you know, the cheap food thing kind of became uh, an interesting part of it. And, and my choice was these uh, little wafers with peanut butter in between each layer. And then it was dipped in chocolate. It's called a, a Nutty Buddy. And uh, you get them for a quarter back in the day. So they're perfect college food, right? Bad and ramen, top ramen. That was it. That's what I ate. And, uh, and so we get these, and hey, let's go hang out. Grab a Naughty Buddy, go hang out. And then it became kind of the currency for, for presents. And so at different points, like it would be my birthday. Hey, man, got you a Naughty Buddy. <laughs> you really went all out. A quarter, huh? And, uh, you know, big game coming up. Hey, man, go get it. Here's a nutty buddy. He's thinking about you. Go get it. First sermon. Here's a nutty buddy. And these different points in our life, it was just kind of representation of, of presence, a currency of presence, if you will. And I'll never forget one of the, the darker times in life when my dad died of a heart attack suddenly in a young age, and I lost him, and I'm at my house, and this guy shows up to my house, and he comes, and, he, and we hug it out for a minute, and he steps back. He's like, man, I don't even know what to say, and he pulls out of his pocket <laughs> a nutty buddy. Four wafers with peanut butter in between <laughs> dipped in chocolate. It's really good. You got to try it. it. Tastes like cardboard with peanut butter on it. <laughs> and he pulls out this nutty, and he gives me the nutty buddy. And, and, and if you've ever lost somebody, somebody close to you, you know nobody can say anything that's going to make you feel better. No combination of words put together will have an effect on your emotion in that time, in that season. But somebody shows up, it means something to you, doesn't it? Hundreds of people showing up. I'd always be thankful for. But you know what? When somebody has shown up consistency, uh, consistently over your lifetime and then they show up in those moments, that's a really big deal right there. That's a huge deal right there. Consistency. Fa faithfulness is not just doing a good act. It's doing a good thing. 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 It's divine repetition. Don't just ask God to use you. Ask him to use you up over and over again to put yourself in the situation to be used by God. That's called faithfulness right there. When you step by faith into God's faithfulness, what happens? He fills you up. When he fills you up, what happens? You become faithful. It's a circular repetition of the glory of God coming through in your life. It's the Spirit of God at work within you. We're called to show up. We're called to be faithful. So Peter is a constant to Jesus. So Jesus is a constant to Peter as well. 
And even in his imperfections, here's the next level. Jesus isn't just a presence in Peter's life, is he? No, he's more than, than just a presence. He's more than just showing up. No, he's a presence, but he's also a prophet. He shows up and he doesn't just tell Peter where he is. No, he tells him where he's going. And he is a prophet in his life. Now, when you think about faithfulness in your job, it, it's you showing up consistently. But there's kind of a next level there, isn't it? Like, like you can be faithful at your job, but you can get fired from your job if you're not doing a good, a good, good work at your job. You can be a, a, a father that is around. You can be a parent that is around in your kid's life, but it doesn't mean that you're a good parent. It doesn't mean that you're an active parent, that you're a faith-filled parent, if you will. Jesus shows up. He is present, but he's also a prophet into Peter's life. In fact, in, when all this stuff is going on, and he looks at Peter, and, and, and Peter says these different things, and it kind of it, it throws Jesus off at times, doesn't it? And it gets him frustrated. But, but Jesus isn't just faithful. He is faith-filled for his disciple. The Greek word that is used for faithfulness, it's the same word that is used for faith, okay? They have the same root. One is passive. Faithfulness is passive. Faith is active. And so they're intertwined. They're connected. They, they, they are the root and the fruit, if you will. If you know God's faithfulness, then you are active in faith on a regular basis. When you know God's faithfulness, you are filled with faith. You are faith-filled for the people around you. How are you faith-filled for your spouse? How are you faith-filled for your friend? How are you faith-filled for your neighbor? I'm not talking about positivity today. Jesus saw these different actions from Peter. And he told him to get behind him. He told him he would deny him three times. I'm not talking about positivity, but in the same sentence, in the same framework, when he said these negative things to Peter, what would he do? He called Peter and he told Peter, I will build my church on the rock. What is the rock? Peter means the rock. Where did he get his name? His original name was Simon. Jesus comes along and he renames him Peter. I will build my church on the rock. Even after he says all these things, even after he does all these things, he believes in him. Now, he didn't believe him in him when he was the rock. No, he called him the rock. He was Simon and he called him Peter. And later on, he built his church through him. It's like God in the Old Testament with Jacob, meaning deceiver. God shows up and he says, okay, deceiver, you are called Israel, the father of many nations. He wasn't the father of many nations, but he saw beyond the historical evidence. He saw beyond the actions in the past. He saw, and he was not just faithful, he was faith-filled. He saw with faith what he was to become, and he called it out. With those dear to us, with those close to us, the more we get to know them, the more we know their idiosyncrasies, don't we? <laughs> the more we seem to start calling out the negative, the more we call out those things that they have historically done and maybe repeated over time. Are we faith-filled for those that God has entrusted to us? For that friend, for that parent, for that sibling, when I get together with a couple who is struggling in their marriage and I'll ask them, 
What is it, uh, you know, maybe there's some issues. Tell me about some issues. And it is like a, a fire hose of things just come. Well, he said this and she did that. And you would not believe it when this happened. And you need to tell him to do that. And she needs to go over there and say this to her. And I mean, it's like, it's like name that tune. You give me 10 seconds, I'll give you five problems. I mean, we are quick to know the issues of those who are close to us, aren't we? The second question, though. I'll always follow up with a second question, and that's this. What does God want to do in your spouse? Huh? Get the stink face. Huh? What? What does God want to do in your spouse? Like, how, how have you prayed over your spouse? How have you believed God? How have you called a Simon a Peter? Even according to their actions, they might have done some different things. But when you seek the presence and the spirit of God, you know there is a Peter in that Simon. How do we care? How are we faith filled for God? For those who God has entrusted to us, you are a prophet to your spouse. Call those things out. Be there for your coworker, for your friend. Be faith filled. When's the last time you just stopped and prayed over your friend? When's the last time you called up and encouraged a parent? And just shared what the investment of their life has meant to you. Just a moment. We're going to celebrate communion. There's no greater reminder of the faithfulness of God than when you eat the bread and you drink the cup. We'll pass out the elements as, as we do. We'll, we'll sing an old hymn. It's called Great is Thy Faithfulness. It's probably not the most musically compelling song that you'll hear, but the lyrics are powerful. They're potent because they talk about the presence and the faithfulness of God. And this is one of my favorite songs. It's one of my mom's favorite songs. One of my dad's favorite songs. We sang this song at his funeral. If you ask Ella, my little eight-year-old, you ask her about the word faithfulness, she'll probably tell you she likes it and, and she'll probably tell you about a song that she knows. Because every single night I sing a song to her when she goes to bed. And now she knows that song and she knows about God's. And I'll sing this song over and over. Great is thy faithfulness, O God, my Father. There is no shadow of turning with thee. And when I sing, you know, James 1.17, it says this. Every good and perfect gift comes from above. From the Father of lights, there is no variable. There is no shadow of turning. There is no shadow of turning. And it's a, a possible reference to the sundial that stands there. And as the sun comes up, the shadow begins to turn so that you can tell time. And it's almost as though the author is saying this about the faithfulness of God, that time stands still on his faithfulness because he is constant. He is never changing. He is who he says he is. He is the mountain mover. He is the almighty God. He is faithful when you are faithless. He is the same today that he was yesterday. He is the same tomorrow. He will be the same next week. He will be the same next year. He will be the same forever. His faithfulness rumbles 
It echoes through all generations, from generation to generation to generation. In Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 9, he says, it will go a thousand generations, his faithfulness will last. He goes on and he goes, and we have to understand the essence of faithfulness, that God never changes. This thing isn't built on us. It's not dependent upon us. Faithfulness comes from a God who is constant. And everything comes from this foundation in my life. I know it. I see it. So when we sing this song, we're not singing about a momentary idea. No, I know it in my heart that I'm singing about faithfulness that goes beyond my sorrows. It goes beyond my mistakes. It goes beyond my sin. It goes beyond my breath because the breath of the generation before me has already ceased to exist and the faithfulness continues on. When my breath ceases to exist, his faithfulness will continue on. Our great calling is to step into his great faithfulness. Amen. Will you join me in prayer? Father, we come to you and we thank you that your word is inexhaustible, that it never changes that it's always the same. Lord, we pray as we take the elements of communion today that we would be empowered in your spirit to be thankful for what you have done and to know that you never change. We commit ourselves to you in Jesus' name. Amen.